Fearless Female Fridays with Ayanda MVP on 947. Every guest will leave you feeling inspired, confident, and ready to take on the world. Good afternoon, Dr. Kangile. I wanted to do it the way you did. Good afternoon, Ayanda MVP. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew, pew. How are you doing? I'm good. You did it really well. I'm so happy with your execution. A plus. Thank you. Thank you. And because it is in the afternoon, I wanted to make sure that we people know that it's not in the morning, it's in the afternoon. And you look beautiful, by the way. Loving the new hair. <laughs> it is rocking. Thank you, It's you looking that. real good. And you look Thanks, very girl. relaxed. You look in tune. You look very, what's the word? Tranquil, actually. You look like you've got a lot of things handled, more like you. Uh, thank you. It's a lot of help, a lot of support. So I'm glad that the effort that we're putting behind the scenes is actually relating on screen. No, absolutely. So this is Female Fearless Fridays on 947, and you are our first guest to welcome us into Women's yeah. Month. Yes. <laughs> and women love you. We appreciate you, and we know that you work so hard in balancing your home life, your work life as well. At some point, you're going to be going back to work, and I know you're also excited about that because that is your passion. Being a doctor mm. is something that you do so well. I mean, when I watch you in your stories, I'm just like, this is better than Grey's Anatomy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the adventure. Um, I actually want to ask, is Grey's Anatomy um, quite similar to what you guys go through as doctors or are there certain shows that really just disrespect the line of work that you're in? I feel like Grey's Anatomy is the one that disrespects us um, <laughs> because they make it look so grand and so cool and it's not like that. I think um, there are some TV shows like New Amsterdam and like Code Black. Those are like a little bit more realistic um, just because of how it works day to day. But I think, you know, TV shows are for the drama. So it's more about the behind the scenes, the romances, the hooking up in the encore rooms, which I would be very shocked if anybody hooked up in the encore rooms where we were because of Wild Babes hygiene. <laughs> I absolutely agree. You didn't mention The Good Doctor. You haven't watched it yet. So I have watched The Good Doctor. The problem is it's kind of like the standard of where we want teaching in the first world to be. And we are a third world country, so it's a bit like far-fetched. But uh, yeah, I think it's very accurate with its information and the facts about the conditions and that. But yeah, we're very far from there. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But one thing that I've noticed is that as doctors, they have to be very knowledgeable. Can you tell us your journey of how you managed to put all of this information into your head and expect (laughs) to know this information and recall it? Like it's, it's easy. Um, So medicine is very practical and that's what I enjoy about it. If you remember one patient, you can remember the condition that that patient has and you kind of get it stuck in your head. Yes, there's some exceptions to the rule, but that's generally how I remember the things. I try to link it to examples I've seen in my practice or in my life and also like anecdotes to like uh, raspberries or fruits or whatever to help me remember clinical signs that are related to conditions. And that makes it recall. You can never remember everything. Um, So I'm glad we have apps on our phones that can help us check for important things. We have textbooks that we can refer to. But it's just about being able to recognize the important things that can lead you down that path because it is very broad. And the ideas get closer and closer to the diagnosis. Mm. So after studying, you do sort of practicals and then you become a doctor in the specific field that you're in. 
Yes. So um, I graduated from the University of the Witwatersrand in 2015. Um, I then did two years of internship, which is basically rotating through all of the specialities so that you get a basis of all of the medicine that you're exposed to. So you, you then become um, a general pram. Um, after your two years of internship, I do a year of community service because in South Africa, as a South African um, resident, uh, we have our fees that are subsidized by the government. So it's a great way to give back you know, to our community. So experience different rural areas and different um, sites and medicine that you don't really get to see as an intern. And once you're done with that, then you can do independent practice. So I've decided to go and specialize in pediatrics. Mm. That is fire. And you, it, it suits you so well. You kill it with the babies. When you used to be with the babies back in the day before you were on maternity leave, it is your thing. So now you obviously, I mean, you're a medical doctor. <laughs> you. You're a keynote speaker. You're a mental health matters spokesperson. You're a mom. You're a wife. You have so many things to balance on your plate. How do you juggle them? Do you write a schedule saying, this is now time for work. This is now time for um, family time. How does it work and how do you find the balance in everything? I'm really glad that you didn't ask me what the typical day in my life looks like because it doesn't exist. So there was a concept my mom taught me when I was young called the Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens which is based off of the book of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And they use kind of like a grid and that's got four blocks and you basically split it into urgent and not urgent and important and not important. And it teaches you the tool of prioritization. So I prioritize things every day. Um, some days may be more important. So for example, I won't be able to spend time with my family on, on a day I'm on call. Um, so that's going to be a heavy study day. It's going to be a heavy reading day. But when I come home, it's a rest day. Maybe about an hour it's allocated to studying but in that time with family so it's just about constantly prioritizing every day and I do that in the morning when I'm you know in the shower after I get out the shower I just sit with myself for five minutes while having breakfast and say these are things I need to prioritize today the other stuff I will get to and you have to let go of the guilt of not being able to get to everything because you can never get to everything and I think I'm lucky that the people in my life know that and they're they're able to like allow me to prioritize as I need to. We're all doing well when it comes to balancing what we can do. But I like the fact that you said focus on the things that need to be done and then the other ones will find a place to put them in. Can you tell yep. us the challenges that you've had in being a doctor in pediatrics? Sure. So I think the first big challenge is working in the state sector where we're so under-resourced, so underfunded. So as a person, you're overworked often. Um, it is an academic environment. So we're having to study. We're having to know exactly what's going on with our patients at an up-to-date, evidence-based level. So there's a lot of pressure on you to have to study when you go home, make sure you're doing presentations, uh, make sure you're reading up as often as you can. Um, so there's a lot of stress that comes with that. And then also, you know, we work 240 hours a month minimum. So at times that may have to be more. So for all of that time, you're just at work. You hardly ever spend time at home. And when you are home, you're either tired and sleeping or you're getting ready for the next day at work. Um, 
being a young person as well is really stressful because there's so many times when I've been sitting on the gram while I'm at work and seeing all of my friends having the time of their life. <laughs> and I'm just like, I also want to go to work in a song in a yacht to Dubai, but I can't because I've got to do work and I've got to study. But because I understand the purpose that I have, I think it makes it a lot easier and it makes it so enjoyable when I go to work to be able to say, I'm stressed, I'm tired, we've got so much work to do, I've got to cover so many areas, I've got to teach interns, I've got to study when I get home, but it's totally worth it because I know it's going to be for a bigger purpose one day. When it comes to mental health in South Africa, you're one of the leading voices. And I just want to know what made you want to join this movement and also how we can make each other aware with our friends, with our families, how we can actually tell each other, I have a mental health situation and I need you to understand it. Because I think in us talking about it, yes, it's fine for us to talk about it on social media and we understand, but how do I break it down to my own parents? I'd need mm-hmm. guidance for that. Or young people want to tell their parents, look, the exams are killing me. I'm being stressed and I don't know how to describe this sort of depression I might have. And some parents will think, no, you're just tired, rest and then mm. go back to work. So the thing that really drew me to mental health and to really joining and striving for mental health advocacy was my internship. During internship, there were a lot of situations where we would be burnt out chronically. Um, We were emotionally exhausted from seeing so much trauma. And I did my internship at Krasani Baragwanath Academic Hospital. So it was hectic. But what I really was interested in was why I was so successful in my internship and how I could get through it. But other colleagues were, you know, not successful, burning out, turning to substances. What was the difference between me and them? And then it also then expanded further that if I can go through such a hectic experience at work, there's other people who are not seeing all of this trauma, but they're also struggling. What is it about our mentality and our resilience that makes you or breaks you? So mental health happened because um, of just an observation that I saw in society. With regards to mental matters, the organization that I'm part of, we really try to destigmatize mental health conversations and mental health in society at large, especially with the youth, because I find that, like you were asking, how does somebody who's so young, who hasn't really experienced much life, tell someone who thinks that they've got it sorted, you know, down to the T, that they're struggling um, and not make it seem like they're being weak or not make it seem like they're just giving up. It's very important that we understand as society that different people have different exposures and also different levels of um, tolerance to things. And so what I might survive, you might not um, be able to and vice versa. It's your own journey. It's your own struggle. And you need to be able to give all the tools that you need to be able to um, handle that situation. And so I would always advocate for people, whenever you're feeling something, go through it, sit with yourself and say, What's really happening? And I think that's the first step. People are not willing to sit with themselves for that 30 minutes, for that six hours if it needs to be, and really understand where the problem is because it's difficult. Sometimes acknowledging that I'm not strong enough to handle the situation is enough. And so you need to be able to acknowledge that within yourself and then take it to the right people. Because I think once you realize what the problem is, it then helps you figure out who to really speak to. And then the last thing is really to say to young people and to anyone going through something that they need help with, 
please understand that not everybody's ready to hear what you really, what you need help with. So it's not that they don't want to help you. It's just that they might not be ready to receive it or they might be shocked that you're going through it. Because as a, as a parent, if my child had to come to me and say, mommy, I'm depressed, I'd be like, how? Because I've tried to cultivate a life for you to not be depressed. That would shock me. It doesn't mean that I'm not acknowledging it. I just need time to process it. So maybe they might not be the right person and you need to go to someone else. That's <laughs> so all I can say. You were preaching. And thank you for that. I, I'm so happy that we actually spoke about this. So I want to find out from you. Um, mm. I actually, let me read this word for word as it is right here. It says, we're going to ask okay. you questions now. And first things to pop into your head, let us know. Are right. you sure you want to do this? Because my brain is like mashed potatoes at this point. <laughs> it's all good. You're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Okay. Now, I want to know what are the five things you need to do for yourself in the day that makes you feel content? Pray, sing, laugh, take a shower and eat. <laughs> like eat. I love it. <laughs> I love it. What's the funniest joke that you've heard in a while? <laughs> but you're oh my gosh. <laughs> there's this one that i heard the other day and i can't i can't remember it now but i was laughing so hard at it and Habsi just wouldn't allow me to laugh at it because it was so funny um oh i want to remember this joke that's the annoying <laughs> part i want to remember this one um uh, it's actually okay let me just think about it it's actually a um a tiktok that was done by Primo 19. And you know that hot like a heater thing? Yeah. He did that, but he was a kid who had a fever. And he was coming to his mom. He's like, me, I'm hot like a heater. His mom's <laughs> like, yes. He's like, I'm hot like a heater. She takes his temperature and it's high. She's like, yes. <laughs> okay, I saw that one. That one is funny. All right. Uh, next quick question. What are the three favorite things you love to eat? Oh, a uh, rusks. Um, uh, it's masala chips and uh, eat uh, jelly babies. <laughs> this is pressure. Let us keep things in our life. Yeah, no, that's why it's so fast. Um, do you prefer to exercise or do you prefer to yoga? Ah, yanda. It depends on how I'm feeling, but exercise always. Now, obviously, the segment is based on Fearless Female Fridays, but we need to ask you as Dr. Kanyile, what makes someone fearless? I think what makes someone fearless is really accepting that at times there's things you can't do, you might not be able to do, but then doing them anyway, because you know that it doesn't matter what's at, uh, on the other end of that task. It's going to grow you. It's going to make you a better person. So accepting whatever weaknesses happen, I'm going to do this thing and have the lesson because that lesson is going to make me a better person. I love that. I also want to ask you a question that deals with, I mean, right now being a career driven woman in your industry, you're in a relationship, you have family already, but before all of that happened, what do you think you needed to learn before you could come to be with the person that you are with now and the journey in understanding being a corporate woman in a relationship or understanding feelings? Because sometimes mm -hmm. as women, we're told we need to be strong. Like if the breakup happens, mm -hmm. it happens. Look, we can cry it out, but then we must look forward. We must move forward. A lot of the times mm -hmm. I'm not being told, let's say, by older sisters or moms to 
deal with something, but we don't know what we need to deal with. Is it the same or is it similar to mental health? Because I think a lot of us urban career driven, modernized women are actually finding it difficult to meet men. Yes. So I saw a very interesting um, post about this. And so it was saying that back in the day, you know, a lot of women or, or today, a lot of women are finding it difficult to meet men because previously men didn't have to be likable for us to like them. We just literally needed a man to have a bank account. You could not buy a house without a man. You could not have property without a man. Now we don't need that. We don't need you. And so you actually have to be likable. And so society hasn't taught men how to be successful partners. They've taught them how to be rich. They've taught them how to go after their dreams and ambitions. And so we're now getting women who are being taught Firstly, how to be in a relationship, which I think is a problem. We should teach people to be themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we're also now having this narrative of, you know, yes, honey, hashtag goals, you know, black excellence. We're now having women who are raising themselves to be incredible men on their own. And now men have to compete with that. So I find that as a young woman in a relationship who wants a career, the one thing my mom always said to me when I was young, and I'm, I'm so glad she did, is that as a young woman, you're going to have multiple um, streams of income or you're going to have multiple career paths. And you need to learn to prioritize all of those. The most important thing you must have is a partner who understands who you are and will let you shine without um, or with understanding that you won't take away from his shine. And I think that's why this relationship is so successful for me, because I'm, I've always been the kind of person who will give. Everybody knows my, my person. You will, yay, he's going to be like, yes, I'm going to hype him up. But I'm not going to stop growing. And I love the fact that he allows me to be that person without him feeling insecure. So I would actually say the, the onus is on guys to really make sure that you allow a woman to grow. She doesn't have to grow without you also growing or without you dimming your lights you guys can be equals you guys can be different let her be because i feel like at the end of the day women are on the up um and we are really <laughs> we're doing the things babes yeah, i know that's things. right you're <laughs> what is your quote that you live by that you attack each day with it's a quote that um i really speak to which is my motto in life and that's just that I'm a real girl in a big world tasked by an awesome God to save little people. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> what you. advice would you like to give to the future doctors in the industry or the future career women that are fearless? I think you need to really understand your why. Um, because at three o'clock in the morning as a medical doctor in this country, you cannot pretend anymore. There's no more sucking up. There's no more trying to, you know, show face. The raw emotions of who you are will come out. And if you haven't understood your why, you won't have anything to hold on to in that moment. And you will burn out. You will become depressed. And you will understand that, you know, this career is not for you. You might want to leave. So I think it's very important at the end of the day to Find that purpose. And if you haven't found it, don't try to force it. 
because medicine in this country is very difficult. It's not just the paycheck. It's not just the status. It's really, really difficult. So find your why. Hold on to it because at three o'clock in the morning, that's the only thing you will have. Mm, wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Kangile, for being a guest on our Fearless Female Fridays. But thank you so much. And I appreciate you in knowing you and also understanding the work that you do. And thank you so much for being one of the pioneers in in this country as women who are just driving us to be better and better every day in what we do in our relationships, in our workspace, more life in general. We really do appreciate you. Well, I do from my heart to yours. <laughs> Oh, thank you so, so much. But I just want to say, I think when you know your why, your purpose comes through. Whoever you are just becomes really authentic. And that's one thing I strive to do. I'm not perfect at it, but I strive to do that every day. So, you know, that affirmation for me is incredible. Ayanda, thank you so much for doing something like this because it reaffirms us. It makes us keep going. So you are thebomb.com. <laughs> that's right. Thank you so much. I hope you have a lovely afternoon. You too. And thank you to everybody for listening and watching this. <laughs> Yay. 947 with Ayanda MVP.